a consumer thinks, oh, I'm going to buy a property and it's going to be easy. I can put it on an Airbnb or VRBO and that's it, right? And that's truly not the case. If you can't rent or something goes bad, say there is a hurricane that takes your property out, you have a forest fire, so people are coming over flooding. If you have a bad season, you're going to have to be able to get through that season. So your key is make your money, save your money, keep a nest egg because you're going to need your nest egg. That could be the difference from you actually enjoying your retirement or having to sell your property because you can't afford once you're in retirement to keep up with those property rates. Welcome to the Urban Connect podcast. I'm Jennifer Arshambo, the broker owner of Urban Provision Realtors, and I'm thrilled that you're tuning in today. If you're here... Chances are your prospective buyer, seller, or homeowner searching for clarity on the ever-changing real estate landscape here in Texas, and you've come to the right place. In each episode, we'll discuss a myriad of topics, providing you with the knowledge and tools to navigate the complex realm of real estate, from insider tips on how to prepare your home for a successful sale, to insights on the latest market trends and everything in between. I've got you covered. So sit back, relax, get ready to take your real estate knowledge to the next level with the Urban Connect podcast. Welcome back. The desire to own real estate is frequently intertwined with the American dream. Yet, it is astonishing that only a fraction of Texans venture beyond owning their primary residence for other exploring investment opportunities in the world of real estate. In our next four-part episode series, we will dive into the complexities of buying real estate, whether for long-term investment, short-term rental, retirement, or second home. These conversations within each episode will shed valuable insights and lend professional guidance, empowering those considering a real estate purchase beyond their primary residence to mitigate significant financial losses and avoid chaos throughout the real estate journey. I am excited to bring you the third episode in our four-part episode series. After listening to this episode, you should become familiar with purchasing real estate for short-term rental, retirement, or even a second home. Buckle up as we embark on an educational road trip to South Haven, Michigan, a vibrant community nestled along the eastern shore of Lake Michigan. This place has transformed into a second home and retire haven while also becoming a bustling hotspot for short-term rentals. Let's dive in and explore the endless possibilities, but let's first allow me to introduce today's guest. Ryan Cervantes is a seasoned veteran in the real estate industry, and for full disclosure, he's a dear friend. Ryan's a licensed associate broker in the state of Michigan and currently serves as the manager for the Century 21 Affiliated Real Estate Office in South Haven, Michigan. Having established himself as a successful real estate agent, broker, and mentor since 2001, Ryan partnered in a new venture to establish Big Blue Rentals, a company that is dedicated to assisting visitors find vacation rentals in Southwest Michigan as well as being a resource overseeing many aspects of short-term rental process, including leasing, customer service, and full property management support. By being deeply rooted in his community, Ryan has a vested interest in serving the resort and retirement community of South Haven. His dedication to the area is exemplified by his former role as the chairman of the South Haven Township Planning Committee, a position he held for three consecutive of four-year term. Ryan's extensive expertise is augmented by numerous designations and certifications, including the Resort and Second Home Property Specialist Certification, his involvement in the National Association of Realtors, Resort and Second Home Real Estate Committee, and NAR's State and Local Policy Committee, 
further enriches his knowledge and based upon his above credentials, Ryan possesses a wealth of information to offer his clients and today we'll be sharing, we'll actually be lending his acquired insights with the listeners of Urban Connect. Outside of his professional pursuits, you'll discover Ryan's an avid outdoorsman. During the summer months, you can often find him enjoying the beauty of the, of the Big Blue, also known as Lake Michigan, to our Texas-based listeners. Spending quality time on the water with friends and family and relishing every moment of it. And so, Ryan, it's my pleasure to host you as a guest. And did I get it right? You enjoy the Big Blue. <laughs> uh, Jennifer, it's thank you very much. And yes, I love being out there. You can have a very long day, and as soon as you hit that water, you relax. It takes all your stress away, and it gets you uh, re-energized for the next uh, work day. It's like going to the beach in Texas. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that's right. You guys do have beaches in Texas. But you don't have far to drive. Right. Yeah, Yeah, we're about three blocks. We have hours to drive. You can just walk out your door, right? (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Okay, so so we have a lot to unpack here because I mean, you know, I've known you for a while from the national circuit, um, from from the Rural Circuit, but and I've known that you've I've been to South Haven, you know, you know, I've been to that southeast quadrant of of Michigan, right? I understand how it's this this vacation spot, especially in the summer. It's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. So Let's start with short-term rentals because that is, you know, when you hear someone invest in real estate, that's the first question that, you know, I get asked. I mean, is that one of the first questions that someone asks you when they're trying to decide to invest in real estate beyond their home? Well, especially for our area, it's a small resort town. So when they look to buy, they're coming in from either Indianapolis, St. Louis, Chicago, Detroit, Ann Arbor, and that five-hour window. And in that five-hour window, when they come up, they're not going to be able to spend the entire summer here. So they're looking at a few weeks, a month, maybe, maybe a few weeks only for the entire summer. And then when they can use it, they'll come up. But they they want to know that they'd have the ability to allow somebody else to use a house when they're not there. And now it helps allow them to pay for the property taxes and um, maintenance. And if they got anything left over, you know, pay down some of the mortgage that's on there because that's what they're looking to do. They're looking to have a home that they can, one day retire to full time. And in the meantime, if they can make money by running it out to help pay down that mortgage no quicker, why not do it? That's the best way to buy real estate is to go, where do I want to live 10 years on the road, 20 years on the road? Where do I want to retire? Where can I buy now that, like you just said, that someone else can help me pay off my mortgage or, you know, pay me back the money that I paid in cash, you know, regardless. So, so let's talk about short-term rentals. I assume, you know, you were well-versed, which I know you are, from being um, you deeply rooted in the township there, right? But let's talk about short-term rentals and ordinances because I feel like here, and I'm sure there, that zoning and planning and city is fighting, you know, to keep short-term rentals at bay, because they change that landscape of like what make what makes that city that the the warm fuzzy city it is right, and that's the thing is interesting. So we used to be a massive Jewish resort back in the twenties and thirties. We actually were nicknamed mm-hmm. the Catskills of the Midwest. So we have a hundred plus years of resort activity in our area, which is great, and it's always continued. With the only really breakdown where it stopped was right around the, the um, 1960s and 70s, where it took a dive, where it just, that's what happened in the country. 
And then it started to resurface in the early 80s and grow and still grows to this day. 2018, the city of South Haven did put together a ordinance for rentals. So you have to register and get inspected every year. And it was a very well put together ordinance that other cities throughout the country started using and going off that one. We're continuously every couple of years, uh, I'd say almost every year lately, reviewing it and adjusting it. And it it's getting a little pricey to be a short-term renter in our area because right now everyone thinks it's the golden goose that laid the egg and are that go- <laughs> goose that laid the golden egg, <laughs> I should say. So everyone wants a piece of that action, whether it's from a uh, lodging tax to annual registration inspections to just expense of uh, maintenance and um you know, definitely for maintenance, if they know it's a short-term rental, the uh, looks like the prices that come in from handyman are a little bit higher. That's why it's very important to have a local property manager that can get you through all these processes and get you up and running and get some money in your pocket as well as help pay down that mortgage if we can, you know, and get you here because almost four out of five of my rentals, their goal is to live here full-time after retirement and use it why they can with their family in that meantime. And that's our goal is to make sure that's a viable solution for them over the years. And then it's almost like a like clockwork. We have somebody they rent with us. By the time they rent the third and fourth year, they've fallen in love with the community. Now they want to buy. So now in the real estate aspect, you've got clients that are going to buy and then they do the same cycle. They end up renting it back out. So then you have more clients. It is a great feeder, you know, for agents in our area. And we're very great at. So we want to make sure that when the agents, either from different companies, send us people, we make sure that we give them credit. They get a referral fee. We actually let them know that right. their information is there. So when they decide to sell, they'll get that property back. So it's been, it's been a great time. Yeah, it seems like it. And let's go back to those fees, because I think that, like you said, you know, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say this, um, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to pick on agents. I'm going to pick on a consumer, right? So I'm going to pick on an agent and say agents, not all, but some people get a license because they think it's a get rich quick scheme, right? You can sell a lot of real estate, get rich real fast. You know, you not sell a lot, right? It's easy. One, it's not, it's not easy, right? You and I both know that a consumer thinks oh, I'm going to buy a property and it's going to be easy. I can put it on an Airbnb or VRBO and that's it, right? And that's truly not the case because you talked about this ordinance and there's additional fees, there's taxes. So can you go into to that layer a little bit deeper because I think that the average person going, hey, I want to buy and I want to short-term rent it wherever they are. They need to be asking those questions. What are those additional fees? There's a whole bunch to it. So... You're right. When it comes to the fees, the one thing I say is we're in a very unique area where we have the city of South Haven proper. We have Allegan County next door, which has Caskill Township and then South Haven Township to the south. City of South Haven is the most diligent. They are the $600 annual inspections. Now, the ones to the north in Caskill Township, I mean, literally, you wouldn't even know you switched across the street to that unless you knew and you lived here. That one is three years that you have to renew and it's 325 bucks. And then to the south of us at South Haven Township is no registration, no nothing. It's a free fall still. So we've got all three markets. Right. So it's like, it's, it's wild. It's like the wild, wild west, right? So you don't know what you're going to get. Well, it's true. And you, that's why you have to have an agent that understands this 
market. Mm-hmm. And you and I will always be the ones that say you use a local source. For me, I oh, refer yes. out when it's not my area. And if it is my area, I love to take a referral and, and educate them because sometimes they're not, they don't know. They come in and go, mm-hmm. I want to rent a home. What do I do? Well, here's what you're going to do. First off, do you want a condo or do you want a home on a public street? Because if you want an HOA, we have to go and make sure that HOA allows short-term rentals. We definitely mm-hmm. want to make sure we looked at the last two years of their meeting minutes to make sure there's no discussion about getting rid of rentals. You don't want that. Right, right. Right, because that could be an issue. Right, that could be an issue. Yeah, you buy it for the purpose of renting it and you can't short-term rent it, right? Yeah, in in Austin, I'm going to pick on Austin a second, there's you know, hundreds of hundreds of condos now, right? Because they're, I mean, they keep building buildings, taller, taller, bigger, bigger, right? But I think there's only three that allow for short-term rentals in the whole downtown city of Austin. And so when those come up, so I'm sure with you, when you have those those developments that do not allow for short-term rentals, and then you have like those pockets that do, those don't turn off, don't turn over as fast. And when they do, they sell fast. They do. And I can clearly just in my uh, condo association where I live, I can see a clear 15% drop in the condos that don't have a short-term rental permit. And the reason I say it is because the association I'm in, there's three associations. There's one, two, and three. Well, one and three allow short-term. The number two association does not. And you can see the the price difference when they come on the market and the time that they're on the market. Mm -hmm. The ones that have a rental permit sell immediately. And for we're seeing lately over list price where the ones that do not and cannot short-term rent are on the market longer. And you can see that decrease they're getting. So let's talk about before we move on to outside of fees, right? So let's talk about a little bit of property management because Unless you live there, you know, you're not running over changing bed sheets. You're not changing linens. Like you're not, you're not sprucing up the property. You, you pay a service to do that or a property manager to do that. Right. And talk about some of the other fees that maybe the common person's really not thinking about. I mean, above, above normal fees to just to maintain a property. But talk about property management fees for short term rentals. Well, they, they vary and you have to look at what you get for your money. So yes, you, well, first off, let me, let me start with the city of South Haven. If you live more than 45 minutes to an hour away, you have to have a local property manager for your property because oh, okay. they want to make sure that it's actually being managed. Hmm. Okay. And that's probably was in that ordinance, correct? That's correct. Now the townships, you don't, but in the city okay. you do. The nice thing about that is it allows for us to be on site and say something goes wrong and be able to actively be a member of our community to make sure everything's going well. Um, let me see here. Where were we at, Jennifer? I went over that, the cost. No, we're fees beyond. So like the, okay. the you, it sounds like that you're, you're forced into what you were saying. You're forced into um, a management agreement if you're more than 45 minutes away. Right. Which is great. So, what other fees do you see your clients paying, you know, beyond like your property management fees? Because, you know, you can have a property management agreement with a long-term rental, right? They're mm-hmm. collecting, you know, your rent, they're taking care of the maintenance of the property. So for short-term rental, you have probably like a cleaning service. Like what are the other things that a just an average person thinking I want to do short-term rental forgets about or doesn't know about? 
Well, a lot of it is when you get a short-term rental or you start off from scratch, you've got to um, furnish it out. You have to get, you got to get nice furniture. I'm not telling high-end or low-end, but somewhere in the middle. You've got to get all the towels, the blankets, the comforters. You have to get all the stuff that you're going to need, utilities in your kitchen. And anything else, if you're by the water, you definitely want to get some stuff that you can play with, whether it's kayaks, paddle boards. So you got to get the basic stuff, beach chairs. We don't do beach towels. We let people do their own. But you're going to have to get the basics that attract people to want to stay in your unit versus another unit. So you're going to look at that expenses. The other expenses is going to be your preseason and after season of full, I call it a full inspection. You come in, you check your HVAC, make sure that's running well. You make sure your plumbing is going good because there's some older homes and you don't want backup uh, on your sewer lines in the middle of summer because that's a pain and people are going to be mad. And you're going to get dinged on your review. When you get dinged on your review, you fall further down the list. You want to be as top as the list you can, as quick as you can. And that's done by five-star reviews. And that's what you want to gain for it. The other thing too is you want to be with a company that has a great local presence. So people book directly with you to save on booking fees. That saves the seller, our management company, and the, well, it'd actually be the owner too, because they are that person's going to get dinged and the renter booking fees that would be on Airbnb, VRBO, and other sites. Mm -hmm. So booking direct is going to be a good thing. So you definitely want to make sure that your listing is going to be on a local visitors bureau or the uh, chamber of commerce under lodging. Because that's just going to get you more support out there and more bandwidth and being right, on social right. media. So you were talking about, you know, before and after season, those additional um, inspections, right? With, with yes. plumbing HVAC. Are you finding, are those in addition to the ones that you would be doing to the property? So like in Texas, we generally check our furnace around September, October before it gets cold. And we check our AC February, March before it gets, you know, our condenser outside. So to make sure that it's still functional and they don't need repairs. But for for short-term rental, are you th- saying that maybe some of your short-term rental clients are doing those because they need to be done, right? But they're doing an additional layer before and after to make sure nothing has happened since that initial inspection or that initial service. Yes, and we do that. So we ask for a spring, a fall, and then don't forget the city comes by once a year, depending on what time of year it is. It could be October, it could be March, it could be the middle of summer when they come in and do their annual safety inspection. And that means they check the carbon monoxide, they check all the fire extinguishers, they check all the windows to make sure they're accessible for an emergency. And then they check your electrical box. Everything has to be labeled. So it is a very thorough inspection for safety that every short-term rental owner has to go through if they're going to be certified. So it sounds like the 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 pe- people, just an average person thinking, I want to invest in Michigan, right? I want to invest in, doesn't matter where. They really need to look at that ordinance and see what that ordinance requires because like we don't have a safety inspection. Like we don't have that layer because our ordinance probably isn't as buttoned up as yours, but that's just something for like a Texan who's thinking, I want to retire in you know South Haven because of what you know Ryan has said today. It's a community that I wanted to live in down the road. These are additional expenses that if you're not, like you said, furnishing your property to compete with that other person, I'm sure that you ha- they have to have also reserves in addition to like you, it, I say starter reserves, right? 
because mm-hmm. what happens if you don't get leased? You're brand new. You're not going to get leased right out of the gate. I mean, you might, right? What happens if you have an issue that you have to mitigate? You can't lease it. What if something breaks or your inspector comes in and says, nope, we got to fix this. Well, then, sorry, you probably can't lease that property in short term, right? I, I would assume that a short term owner would have to have an abundant number of reserves just in case for something like this buttoned up ordinance. We actually had that last year. So the city of South Haven, they overstepped their bounds and they required a a window measurement system for any bedroom. And we had some clients that spent the entire summer not running their homes out because they they had to get window replacement. Well, come find out that the city had no uh, jurisdiction to do more than what was required by the state for building codes. So they had to, you know, cut that back. The problem is the damage was done to a number of renters our owners who bought the property and couldn't rent it for a season. So you're, you're right. If you can't rent or something goes bad, say there is a, like you see throughout the um, United States, you have a hurricane, it takes your property out. You have a forest fire. So people are coming over flooding. If you have a bad season, you're going to have to be able to get through that season. And that might be, you know, you put somebody in there long-term until you get the situation taken care of. But if it's to the point that you mentioned that, it's such a bad mistake or something's broken that it needs to be fixed and you're looking two or three months out before you can get it done and it's sitting idle, you're going to have to have reserves to cover that in the meantime. So it's always good. Yes, you, it looks like big money comes in on your gross, but you want to put that money away for a rainy day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So save. So, so your key is make your money, save your money, keep a nest egg because you're going to need your nest egg. And also when you go to buy a home, if it's going to be for a rental purpose, when you're with that realtor of yours, you let them know. Let them know that you need a place that's going to be in good condition, that's not going to cost them a lot, or could have some maintenance issues that come up shortly after you buy it that could cause them uh, financial hardships or from renting it out. Yeah, I I see a lot, and we're going to talk about this in a different um, episode where we're going to talk about, you know, here in Texas is... um, you know, some of our resort areas, right? Like it mm-hmm. sounds like, you know, South Haven was a resort kind of mindset, you know, that's your history, right? But in some of these areas, it wasn't like that. Sorry, it was farm and ranch land, right? And so right. it became this b- wineries and wedding venues. And so it became this. And now you have all these established people living in this area that has now converted and changed into this area. So now you have homeowners fighting the city saying, don't do this. We don't want this. And, you know, they're having to amend ordinances or stop. Mm -hmm. And if you have a situation like that, where you could be in a community, not like South Haven, who has clearly figured it out, but you could be in another area, ABC, you know, United States, and then you could figure out that you all of a sudden can't, maybe you have a rental registration, but all of a sudden, you can't. You're at pause. You're on a pause for a little bit. You are on a pause. And we've seen that. We've seen the moratoriums come in. It stopped any new rentals in their neighboring communities. And what we do in South Haven, we have a one to four ratio. So they do the they check out the population every year. And it, whether it goes up or down, that'll affect the number of short-term rentals that are involved. Mm-hmm. So if you're on a public street, you have to you have to adhere to the one to four ratio. Now if you're in a HOA or private development, like a condo association or a subdivision that's HOA, 
those are not included in that uh, numbers. So they are treated separately. They are allowed because they are private HOA to have as many rentals or as little rentals as that board agrees to have. Mm-hmm. So that's something you have to look at as well. You just have to adhere to their bylaws. Yeah, that's correct. When you have someone come in, let's say you have, let's say you have me come in from Texas. And I'm like, I want to invest. I want to be a short-term rental owner in South Haven. What are the clients you're talking out of that? And you're saying you're not a short-term renter, right? You're a long-termer or you're a, you know, snowbirder or what, whatever you call it, right? So talk to me about that because I feel like our audience here needs to understand the difference between short-term, long-term, you know, second home where you rent it out for longer periods of time. When is someone not suited for short-term? I, I would look at that market. If you're buying a property 100% just to use as a short term, you need to look at the season and what you're attracting. South Haven, still for us, we are a primary summer and early fall with the color tour and orchards changeover rentals. We are not yet a January through May rental company, our community. And that's just because there's not much going on. It's winter. It's beautiful, but it's quiet. You go further north. Then you have a different season. You have your skiers and your snowmobilers. And so you have to really look what you're looking to obtain from this rental. And if it's going to be just for you and you know you're just going to use it and you want to make some money off it, that's fine. But if you're doing it for an income-based, I always tell my clients, Southwest Michigan's not the place to be for that. We just don't have the longevity in the season. But we are definitely the place where you can buy and use and rent out when you're not using it and do very well. Right, right. So it sounds like there's um, certain times where a client would come in and it would be, you may, you may need to seek long term, you know, longer term rentals, maybe a, an older person that wants to go south for the, you know, south for the winter and up for the summer or something like that, right? Maybe you need to track that. So, okay, let's talk about second home before we get into retirement because. I think retirement's a different beast. And I had a very long conversation with us regarding a friend the other day. And I want to talk to you because this is your market, but second home. So as a second home buyer, is there anything different that you're telling your buyers of just normal property that they need to be thinking, doing? Well, it depends if it's going to be their second home. They need to find the area that they want to be in. Are there beach people? Let's mm-hmm. find a place that's going to be three or four blocks from the lake. If you're just somebody who wants to be downtown and hang out and you like you know, shopping and eating, fine. Let's find you that area. That's a different community than what a mm-hmm. beach town might be. So what, what you do is you got to zero in on what they're looking for, what their long-term plans are. And we know those change. But if they're looking to get to the point in their life where that's where they're going to live from starting in April until October, okay, that's great. Let's find that. If it's not, then mm-hmm. we got to find out, okay, where else do you want to be? But that's what I look for. Where do they want to be in the wintertime? Because usually if it's a second homeowner, they're not here in the wintertime. They're coming up in the nice months and they're going back somewhere warmer in the winter months. It's very rare mm-hmm. they're go- to they're find going someone. to Florida, out. Texas. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Houston. They're, yeah. They're going to coastal. Yeah. They're going to coastal lines uh, along the Gulf Coast, right? Because exactly. they're coming down here to get the warmth. Right. Okay. And then I assume on those second homes, are those second homeowners, property management's probably not existent for those because they're self-managing those. So then you have utility costs, right? 
Yep. So, so second homes, right? No mm-hmm. one's living in it. You know, you, no one's watching if the water breaks, if there's a pipe burst, if, if there's a freeze, right. right? There's all these things that happen, right? That's that why you have to that have a someone needs to be checking in on. So the nice thing that helps out on a lot of this is before you'd have to go in, you know, once a week. The problem is in the middle of wintertime and the furnace quit on a Sunday and you didn't next day want to come in until Friday. You had five days of it being frozen. You could have broken pipes. Thank God for technology because the new smart everything that we have will let an owner know if his temperature mm-hmm. drops below a certain spot, then we can go in and get it fixed. So that has helped us out a lot. Also, same thing with uh, ring doorbells. We make sure that you know no one's messing around the house or somebody's walking around that shouldn't be, and we get alert notice. So technology has played a very vital role in making our jobs easier and making it more secure for a second homeowner that could be two or three states away. So you're seeing some of those second homeowners in the months that they're not there invest in property management just to oversee while they're not physically in the property. We have that and a few others say, hey, I'm not going to be here. Put a long-term renter in there from like November till May. And usually we find people that just transfer to the area like a new teacher, a police officer, management, somebody's new Mm -hmm. to the area who's not ready to buy but they just need a place to live for the interim time. And that works out great. Mm-hmm. Then the homeowner also has the comfort knowing that somebody's living there. They're taking care of it. And if anything goes wrong, they'll let them know. And they're actually making a little bit of income, not much, but at least enough to cover their monthly note. Right. So not short-term rental income, but income that would probably be equivalent to what you would get long-term. Correct. So let's talk retirement because I had this conversation the other day. And I want you to kind of dive deeper into this. And this has been my experience. So someone on just call it Facebook group said, I want to move outside the city, no longer live in the city. Who has done that? Who has retired? So it brought up this, you know, lively discussion about everybody who's done that. But I feel like what a lot of people don't think about when they're thinking of retirement community are age of home, uh, size of home, maintenance costs, healthcare options, quality of life, right? So there's all these things for retirement that people don't think about. They just think about, oh, I want to retire in X city. They don't think about all these additional layers and how they figure that out. Yeah, you make a valid point. A lot of people, I mean, it could be a culture shock. If you're coming from Chicago mm-hmm. or Ann Arbor or Indianapolis or Cincinnati and you come to South Haven or a smaller resort town, you know, in the winter months, it's pretty quiet. I mean, the weekends are still busy, but during the week, you might have maybe three or four restaurants open. And if you're looking for other things to do, you might have to drive to another community and find something during those weekdays because it is a small resort town and that's just the nature of the beast. So I've had a few people come in from large cities and they're like, we love it, but we can't do the off season, but we'll definitely be here in the, um, you know, the summer season. And Mm -hmm. so they retire here seasonally and then they off season, they're somewhere else where it's more action. And that's usually. So they have two retired homes. (laughs) That's correct. Yeah. 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 Some have three. And so you're, you're you're seeing that very common in the Midwest, right? To to retirement. Any advice for retirement? And it can be advice for like the Midwest retirement, or it could just be advice that you give your people, like I gave, you know, some advice on 
that Facebook group? Yes. One thing I'd look at is your millage rates. Uh, that's going to be your annual property tax rate because that can be the difference from you actually enjoying your retirement or having to sell your property because you can't afford once you're in retirement to keep up with those property rates. That is a huge thing mm-hmm. right there is longevity and, and quality of life. You know, you don't want to be mortgage poor. You want to be able to enjoy your retirement and have fun. And that will require an agent that's working with you, that's going through all of those numbers that are going to be stuck with you once that closing is done. Your hard numbers, your monthly numbers, and your annual numbers. Right, right. Yeah, one thing on my, two things on my list that were, it was healthcare, right? You get mm-hmm. old, you need more healthcare, right? Are you yep. going to be around um, robust offerings, right? When you get out into the middle of nowhere, I'm not, I'm saying South Haven, when you get to the middle of Texas, there's not a hospital for miles, there's not a doctor for miles, and then are you getting quality care? So that was one of my um, tips for someone. But my other tip was, and, and you're very familiar with this and being there with the township is understanding the zoning and the planning of the community that you're looking to retire in. Because if you're looking to go to South Haven because it's quiet and that's what you want, okay? Maybe retirement for you is writing a book, right? And you want that quiet, peaceful week, right? Well, let's say now South Haven's going to build this big community right next door and now it's going to be lively instead of real sleepy during the winter, right? So research those things up front because you can see probably in a good three to five year span ahead of time what's happening within that city. And that's why looking at the master plan and future zoning, you've got to pay attention to those to see where the city's going. You got to watch and you're hundred percent right. you got a big development coming next to you. You have to know what kind of development it is because that could change your quality of life right there. And we are very blessed because we do have a hospital for a small town and we have a wellness center for indoor workout and it's massive indoor tracks, pools, and a senior center for pickleball and events and a deli for the seniors to go hang out with. And that's, uh, I think that's five or six days a week that they're open for them to enjoy. So it makes it nice. Yeah. That's huge. As well as walking trails. We have a ton of walking trails. And this is really an outdoor driven community. If you are dog friendly and you like to hike and walk and swim and beach, this is it. This is where you're going to be from May until the end of October. After that, you better put your jackets on because we're going to have a little bit of colder (laughs) weather, some snow (laughs) come for the holidays. But yeah. um, There's no fluffy weather. (laughs) No, not really. But There's the no nice flip flops going to the beach. <laughs> I always tease people about this because I love our small town. And if it gets a little slow for me, what I do is I jump in a car, I drive two hours, I'm in Chicago. I go two and a half hours, I'm in Detroit. We're always close to something. Or if I need some warm weather where you guys are at, I go an hour to Grand Rapids and jump on the aer- airport there and I'm somewhere within two or three hours of more warm. Yeah, I just feel like there's so many complexities to short-term rentals, long-term rentals, right? Long-term rentals are even different. We won't go into that because I think you you operate more seasonally. And, you know, that's why I felt like it was best for you to talk about this. But there's just a lot to consider and th- talk about and think about before you even dive in. It's almost like you have to think through the methodics of why you're doing X, Y, and Z and why, how you would pivot if this didn't work out before you even get started looking at properties, because you have to know why you're doing it, what you're going to do if you have to pivot or if this doesn't work. 
And that's that you have to look at the two main things, what their lifestyle is. Because once you know their lifestyle, what they like to do, you find a community for them that's going to be attractive. Then you got to look at their budget. Because like I said, the hard costs are not going away. And something that's special in Michigan that might not be in all other states is we have a homestead and non-homestead exempt uh, tax rate. And it's about a third difference in your taxes. So you could have a property where you're paying $12,000 a year as a homestead because you're claiming that your primary residence. But if you don't, it's a secondary home. You could be paying as much as 18000 to 20000 for that same property in second uh, non-homestead uh, property taxes. So right, and then that changes, that changes the, your thought process on the intended use, right? Because you're like, whoa, that's a big jump, right? I'll give you an example. I have a uh, seven-bedroom, seven-bath swimming pool block off the beach home that used to be a resort. And that the hard number for that property is six thousand five hundred dollars a month. That owner has to take in to break even. So you, when you get that, you have to look at what your layout is for the rentals for the entire year because your core money making is going to be the June, July, August, September. That's going to have to get that money saved up so it gets them through the slow months in the winter. Mm-hmm. And you have to put this pro forma together for your clients when you do that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's exactly why you need to use a realtor that understands what the need that you need to achieve, right? Like the, Mm -hmm. that is in, is in the thick of the, the short-term rental or is in the thick of second home or retirement, regardless of where you are trying to, to, to buy in for investment purposes, because they're all investment purposes. Right. But you have to use someone experienced who can, you know, deliver what you just said that you need to deliver to your clients. It's true. And we've had a number of out of town realtors because they come in, they they see the shoreline of the resort, they see big money and they, they drive up the two to three hours to show these homes. And it's nice. I am more than happy to educate those agents on what they need to look for, for those clients, because nothing's worse. than if you get a client that bought from an agent that may have not known the area that well, and then they come to you to manage it and you're giving them the numbers and they're, they're just dumbfounded. They didn't see all these other costs that to look forward to. And you don't, nothing's worse than having somebody who finally got their dream home and they're stressed out now because they might have to sell it because they can't afford the uh, operating cost. Or so and then take a lot. loss on it and then take a loss right, on we it. We don't want that. Yeah. No right, one wants right, right. that. So, I mean, that just reminds me of here, you know, Michigan's a little bit smaller, right? And for Texans, there's two parts of Michigan, right? There's the Upper Peninsula and there's the Mitten, right? So The fact that you even know the Upper Peninsula is part of Michigan is awesome. <laughs> Some people think that's I have Canada. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have family that lives in Marquette, so they live on Lake Superior, right? So, but yeah, it, I mean, it's hard to get from the Upper Peninsula down too. So if like... You're having someone come in your backyard to sell real estate. It should be an eye-opening experience for that buyer that's coming in there to buy. Like, why are you representing me? I mean, yeah, you probably sell in Lake Superior, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go off um, on a limb here and say selling in Lake Superior is very different than selling Lake Michigan. There's very different issues that come up. Am I wrong or right? You are 100 percent right. There's five Great Lakes. And they're all different. And I would even tell you to go further that even going two to three hours north up Lake Michigan is a completely different market from what I have down here. 
Oh, yeah. Uh, Traverse City, right? See, I'm familiar with the Mitten, Traverse City, right? Very different. It's a very different market, right? We have agents so, up there that are referred to. We have to. the same thing in Texas. Yeah, exactly. We have the same thing in Texas, right? You know, I, I live in Austin. I used to live north of Houston. You know, they're very similar markets, Dallas, Houston. They're very similar, right? You get out to the whole country, you get different issues with water rights and the LCRA for the lake, right? And can you, you know, tap into the water? What can you do? Can you have a well, right? There's things that even in taxes that you have to make sure you're using a realtor who really truly understands the landscape that you're buying in. And then we have issues like in the panhandle with um, straddling over property lines, straddling over two states, essentially, you know, going into Oklahoma and New Mexico. You need to make sure you have a um, someone who understands or maybe is licensed in all three states because they butt each other. And then, you know, the last thing we have in Texas is coastal because, you know, coastal is very different. The requirements for a coastal property are very different than just my property here in Austin. So, you know, we're agents are licensed in a state. They can practice anywhere in the state, but it doesn't mean they should. I believe you should part market in your own area market that you know and refer out to another amazing agent in that other area who knows their market. So listeners today, if you are wanting to buy in a resort area, let's say Fredericksburg in Texas, and you have an agent coming in from Austin that's not familiar and doesn't sell a lot in Fredericksburg, ask that agent why there should be your agent. You probably should be using a, an agent in Fredericksburg who really understands what's happening with ordinances and property in Fredericksburg. So that's my disclaimer. Um, so, um, you mentioned, and I mentioned, and we both mentioned uh, understanding the impact of city ordinances. I mean, I think that's huge, even if for long-term rental or for, for rentals period, because there are some properties that the HOA doesn't prohibit you to rent within the first couple of years of owning it. Yes. I, there's a couple along our shoreline that have that. It's the first uh, seven years. And then after that, you only have a a few weeks and then you make it to 10 years and now you can rent more weeks to a certain point that they have a cutoff. So you have right. to watch those and you have to really read those bylaws. Right, right. So when you're buying, you have to have an agent who will help you read those and digest those because it's a lot of information, right? So, and then um, I've always said it's, it's always best when you're buying a property, it doesn't mean for what purpose to make sure that you consider current expenses, ongoing expenses, and maybe a future experience, ex, um, expense. Because as Ryan just said, you know, in Michigan, there's, 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 there's kind of a stair step on property taxes where you have different property taxes for different intended uses. And it kind of mirrors what we have in Texas. If you no longer are a homeowner and now you're an investor or non-owner occupant, then we don't have a homestead cap. I mean, we're trying to fix that in Texas, but we don't have it. Your property tax could soar. We have a proposition A that went through, or B, that went through in 1993 that actually uh, caps you out. Once you have your new assessment, when you purchase a home or build it, that is your assessment, and it's only affected by uh, inflation, up or down. So it makes oh, okay. it nice. That's, and they, well, they, they put that in effect to protect senior citizens from being overassessed in their retirement and losing their homes. It was a safe gap. Now, the difference is it has changed over the last couple of years because the prices have soared so much as we've seen. So that's um, even if capping out, it's still pretty expensive. So let me let you shiver for a second when I explain to you how it works in Texas. I'm a homeowner. homeowner. I have a homestead exemption. 
um, I'm capped. So when I file my exemption, I'm capped. I can only go up 10% a year, year to year to year. They're trying to change that, trying to get that down to a lower percentage. As long as I'm a homeowner, the, the county appraisal district can assess it to whatever they want, that they can only tax me on a 10% increase year to year of values increase. Now, if I'm not an owner occupant and I'm an investor, I don't have homestead protection at all. The county appraisal district can assess for whatever they want, not whatever they want. That's, that's kind of a stretch. They assess at market value. So if the previous owner, let's say had a homestead, and you're buying from a homestead owner, now you're going to be an investor. Let's say your property value was 400, but that's because they had a, the assessed value was a $400,000 assessment because they had a homestead exemption. But let's say the true assessed value, the appraised value is 700 because that's what it was valued at, but you weren't paying taxes on that. Now the new owner is going to pay on the higher amount and year to year to year, there's no percentage cap where they can increase property taxes or the, 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 the value. So they're trying to change that, but it's still, it's, I mean, it's a kind of a work in progress. So you can imagine with, you know, what we went through is COVID where people were paying 150, 200, $300,000 above list price, property values surged. Now these investors that had tenants in the property at set rates for set durations of time are now hemorrhaging and taking losses, and now they're having to increase their their rental rates substantially to offset the, the tax base. And I think the general public is missing that. They think a lot of landlords are just skyrocketing. I'm sure there's some out there, but most of them, their their hard costs have gone up, and they have to, to survive. They have to raise the rates. And a lot of people don't understand it. It's amazing. Well, and it's not just property taxes. Mm-hmm. It's everything. Our electric is yeah, gone. It's up. not Our just property taxes. It's everything has gotten more yeah. expensive. So. And even homeowners insurance. I mean, homeowners mm-hmm. insurance has surged across the board. It's because prices, the costs have gone up, right? So anyway, so yeah. expenses. So find a savvy realtor knows what they're doing. Understand the city ordinances and then the ongoing future expenses. Is there anything else that you, I think that's the high button up list. What do you think? I, I would say if you're going to purchase a second home, it's, it's like anything in life, buy what you know. If you like a resort town that's near nature parks or anything like that, then that's what you look for. Something you know that you can help promote it. You can write up a great description of it. You can promote the area because you want to make a destination place to go to. You don't want to be where the hundred mm-hmm. old mother there and if people are shopping off the lowest rate, you want the destination. I got to stay at that place. Because that place comes with this. Another thing I would give you a tip on what we do is we work with a lot of local shops, bakeries, and that. So when you check into our place, not only doing the background, do we have the beach cam going to show in the lake, which is great for sunsets, but we have local cake pops from a bakery. We have a growler that's from a local brewery that if you go there and have an entree, they give you a free full growler of whatever you want to drink. We have uh, date night coupons for a local winery that you can go to their vineyard and have a flight. So we're always looking for something to give to make it special. And if you check with your renters when they buy, tell them, you know, ask them, are they here for something special? Because if it's an anniversary or a birthday, make it nice and special for them. You're going to do a lot better and you're going to stand out and have better reviews. But again, buy what you like and you know. If you like skiing, find a great ski resort area that you know. And again, 
always, like I said, check your municipalities, check the last two years minutes and ask the zoning. Is there anything coming up that could change anything that's going to prevent me from doing a short-term rental in this community and get it in writing. Always get it in writing. It goes back to that. You've got to spend money to make money mentality where mm-hmm. you, you have to, to roll up the red carpet to show that person your city and why you love it for them to love it just as much. Right. And that costs money to do so. You're not doing that for free. So that has to be built into that expense. And I would also add this, be a good neighbor because you might buy a short-term rental or vacation home and it might be next to neighbors who have to get up at five o'clock in the morning. So make sure when you buy your property that you adhere to the local ordinance and at 10 o'clock at night, you could be outside, but keep it quiet. You know, there's certain things that, you know, I'd mm-hmm. say common courtesy, but make sure you put your rules in writing and that they are signed for. So the renters who use your place know, because you want to have support. You get a property that's causing issues and you get somebody who's on the anti-STR train and they take that to the plan committee and they go to the council meetings. The next thing you know, they could be outlawing them and now you're in a pickle. So always be the good neighbor. Mm-hmm. Introduce exactly. yourself to your neighbors too on your block. I always tell my people, when you come in, even if you're not here a lot, first thing you do in the springtime when you open up your house, go say hi to your neighbors. Go have a drink with them. If not, at the end of the season, you could also have a neighborhood block party that you could organize so everyone gets together at mm-hmm. the end of the season. A lot of things you can do, but make sure communication is key. You want to be a member of the community. Something you mentioned earlier is um, your owners should, of course, you know, everybody uses Airbnb to look and VRBO, right? But I'm seeing more and more common where when we go to the beach, when we rent, where I can rent directly from the property management company or or the property management company within the listing of shorttermrental.com, doesn't matter where, right, is saying, yes, you can sign the agreement online that, you know, you're agreeing to the terms or whatever listed, but we are also going to send over a document that you have to sign within so many hours or your listing's terminated, right? And I'm seeing that more and more common. It's because what you talked about before, you can control those rules and expectations, right? Easily, because that's not in that high level buttoned up agreement. The Airbnb, VRBO, booking.com, doesn't matter. They're protecting themselves. They're not protecting the homeowner. Correct. That is true. They are protecting their interest. Yeah. I've had to send back for, we're leaving vacation in a week and I had to pay my money to Airbnb, but then I had to pay some money to to the property management company and sign a separate document. And it had real rules in it and real understanding of what I could do and not do at the property. One thing I would definitely tell people, go to the Visitors Bureau chamber, do that first because then most likely they're going to have a list, a link that goes directly to the local property management companies or just Google, you know, vacation rentals in a certain town and ignore the Airbnb, ignore the VRBO because you're going to save on booking fees. I know they kill me if they heard me saying this, but it's true. It's going to save you the owner fees and it's going to save the people fees. And they're going to be very happy that you told them that, you know, it's a personal approach too. It also helps your name get out there on on a Google search. It does. Yeah, it does. Well, Ryan, thank you for all of your information. I mean, you have such a kind of a value add, right? Because this is your community, right? This is what you live and breathe. And, you know, I knew that meeting you years ago, but I really didn't know that. 
until recently. And I think it's kind of when you went down this endeavor with this new, you know, project and this new company that you started like broadcasting that, right? Like that's kind of been your community, but you haven't, you know, sat on the mountaintop and, 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 and expressed it, right? Well, I would say one thing I would, I love to do is we're always looking for families. People try and say, you know, STRs take away from community and all that. I think they should look at it this way. When our families and our renters come in and stay at our homes in different neighborhoods, it's like test driving a car. They're test driving that community. And we always do a follow up. Mm -hmm. If there's anything we can send you, if you like it here, could you see yourself living here full time? We always take that opportunity to try and sell the community to bring more people in. So I think anybody has an STR, they have a huge opportunity to be the ambassador and that person who brings new families and buyers and singles or whoever they are into that community to be a new homeowner and part of being an active part of the community. And that's the way I look at it. I don't look at it as displacing people. I look at it as that home is already owned by somebody that uses it part-time and they're nice enough right. to rent it out when they're not using it. And now it's our responsibility to showcase this town so well that those people say, dang it, I love vacation here. I want to be a part of it, whether they buy full-timers right. or second right. home. Right. And I think that's what you do well. From from me visualizing what you're doing from afar, that's what I see you doing. Thank you, Jennifer. Um, from from Texas. Yeah. <laughs> so well, I think this all this information is going to be great, even for for our Texas-based listeners, because like you, Ryan and I talked before we even got on the episode was that a lot of this information, even though we're talking about South Haven and Michigan and their ordinance, a lot of that exists here, right? It exists. It mirrors here. It's just different, right? People come here and they want to stay through the winter. They don't want to stay through the summer, right? It's just, <laughs> it's polar opposites. We like, yeah. I kidded around earlier. We should be sister cities, right? So, <laughs> but. Well, you're going to laugh. I actually have a Houston person buying in South Haven. They're retiring. So. I know. Figure that one out. <laughs> I know. They're trying to escape the heat. Exactly. Yeah. So if you have a need or want to connect with Brian because he has sold South Haven or Southwest Michigan, I want to let you know that his contact information and um, his, if you have questions about short-term rental and you're thinking of going down that path, reach out to him. His contact will be found in the show notes. I would like to express my sincere gratitude for all of our listeners, whether you're listening from the comfort of your home or on the go. I hope that today's episode of Urban Connect has been informative and valuable to you. If you've enjoyed the show, I would be grateful if you consider following or subscribing our podcast. Your support helps us reach a wider audience and grow the Urban Connect community. If you have any comments or questions about today's episode, feel free to contact me directly at jennifer at urbanconnectpodcast.com. I value and appreciate your feedback. And I'm always open to hearing your thoughts and suggestions, even about future episodes. Until next time, I am Jennifer Ashambo, and I look forward to connecting with you again on the next episode of Urban Connect.